0: Starting life with these lessons of not needing as much as we think we need, you know, with clothing, changing that mindset from the beginning, educating consumers more so that they understand the difference between a a brand that's actually doing the right thing or a brand that's
1: making claims. This is Brave New Girl podcast and we share real stories with real impact. I'm your host, Lou Hamilton, and I'm a filmmaker, author and artist and passionate about storytelling for making a positive difference in the world your story matters it tells of who you are and why you do what you do in the service of others and my guests bring you their stories their highs and lows and courage gained along the way join us for the ride my guest this week is sashay christopher founder of pop my way the vegan organic children's wear brand that parents can trust its sustainable supply chain is fully got certified, and we find out what that means for transparency in conscious manufacturing. Welcome, Sashay, to Brave New Girl podcast. Hi, Sashay, how are you? I'm good, thank you, Lou. How are you doing? I'm very good. Yeah, I'm, I'm really interested about this this topic with you and talking about your brand because there's so much talk now in the fashion industry about sustainability and conscious fashion and there's a lot of words being bandied about but but you're the kind of the real deal so i'm really looking forward to to understanding what that means and what that looks like and what it takes for for you as a founder to to actually be able to create a brand that is truly sustainable all the way through. So first of all, can you tell us about uh, Pop My Way? What it is, what you're trying to do and and who it's for?
0: Okay, so um, I created a baby clothing brand with some unique design features. So after going through a tough time with my pregnancy and birth with my daughter, I wanted to make life easier for parents. So I designed a collection of clothing that you could mix and match easily and that had accessories and things that you could pop on to the clothing by way of poppers Um, so you don't lose clothing items and important things are kept nearby as well like dummy straps to keep dummies nearby socks stay on uh, trousers so babies always lose their socks you always find them on the side of the road or um, you can't find them when you're looking for them in the washing machine (laughs) Because they're so tiny, so just trying to figure out ways to make things easier.
1: I love that how how they all kind of pop together using these poppers. It's such a brilliant idea, and it never occurred to me when my kids were little that there could actually be a solution to me losing everything. <laughs>
0: exactly, and you know the sustainability side of things was always something that was important to me. You know, I can talk to you more about my background and and why. That's been so important. So I was born in South Africa and sustainability is just a way of life there. People just make sure that everything is used. There's not much waste in terms of food or clothing. There's always someone to pass things on to. So when it came to building a brand, I wanted to make sure that the same kind of values were were brought into my brand.
1: I remember when the very first time I came across a shop that offered like really really cheap clothes it was in scotland and it was called what every woman wants (laughs) and it was the first time i kind of seen these clothes that were you could get things for under a tenner and i think that was the turning point you know from there from there on suddenly fast fashion kind of exploded but kind of in the olden days when we were kids things did last and you did hand them down or get passed on from somebody else who'd who'd grown out of them and you you grew up in South Africa under apartheid as a child of colour so what was that experience for you and and how did you how did that affect how you grew up? So things
0: were very different, you know, as a child of color living in we were living in separate areas, so different racial groups were not wouldn't really interact or or mix. so you know things were completely separate. Schools were separate, you know there there were very different privileges if you if you can say that. and I guess it was very visible what my parents and my grandparents had to go through in order to to basically just live there you know things like finding pieces of metal or or scraps on the side of the road and someone picking them up and using them to either build a house or do something with them to earn money so you'd find coke cans that people would turn into beautiful ornaments like we've got a lion on our bookshop downstairs um, that's made out of a coke can and you know someone used their their creative mind and innovation to do that, you know, rather than, you know, kind of just discarding that, that item. So there's this beauty in, in things that we'd normally throw away. And I guess growing up and seeing how people make the most of life there and, and challenge themselves to to do something as well. And I know, the, I mean, there is a lot of crime over there and, and there are people that are doing the wrong thing, but for every person that's doing the wrong thing and, and you know, doing terrible things, there are people that are being creative and and making a life for themselves out of nothing.
1: When we grew up and and were sort of making things, make, do and mend was something that, you know, we just kind of grew up knowing how to mend things and darn and make things out of things. And and you didn't kind of think anything of it because that was the norm, really. You You know, if you weren't in a family where everything was provided and given kind of new and you sort of grow up with that kind of mindset and I guess you don't see it as something different do you 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 don't kind of acknowledge it and it's only later when you kind of start to put things together and you just go okay so well that was how we used to do it so it is possible so how do we come back to that and and you know there is the kind of two two schools of thinking. Um, I'm reading Lily Cole's book at the moment. Who cares wins, and and she describes how we can be prophets or wizards, and we can either go back and back to kind of a simple way of life and, and simplify everything and go back to that kind of thing of making, doing, mending and, and handing down and, you know, sort of fewer but quality items of clothing or whatever those things are that, that we use or use kind of technology to find ways to to be greener and more sustainable. Before we kind of get into that for you as as a brand builder and you know very conscious about those things you went into corporate fashion so I guess you've seen kind of both sides so what was that experience coming from where you'd come from and living in the way that you did to then going into a world that kind of had exploded really in the last couple of decades?
0: So I guess growing up as a little girl um, fashion was somehow always something that just fascinated me. Um, I used to watch catwalk shows on T V when I was really young and, you know, just just the glamour of it all was something that really attracted me. So, um I didn't intend to work in fashion at all. I actually did a degree in psychology and then somehow fell into a job in fashion. But I, I think just the sustainability side of things was kind of overshadowed by the the glitz and glamour of it all. You know, getting dressed up to go to work every day and seeing the new collections coming in and just, just being a part of it all. You know, it was always there. There was always that kind of, oh, I've got too many clothes in my cupboard. And, you know, what do I do with all the clothing? And, you know, I was, I guess I was kind of brainwashed by it all. And I used to get clothing for free when I worked um, in some of the companies that I was at. So yeah, my wardrobe is exploding with clothes. And I mean, I still have things right now that I'm kind of keeping for my daughter because They're things that I would probably ordinarily never spend money on and and buy for myself. But, um, you know, it was it was a rat race. It was stressful. I was working crazy hours and, you know, ethically as well. there, There were things that didn't kind of align with my my thought process about stuff. And I guess making the change and doing something on my own is is was the next step for me
1: what were the kinds of things that you were seeing behind the scenes? So most of us kind of, you know, we're, we're witness to fast fashion, the constant churn of the next style, the desire that we're, we're sort of, we're filled up with the kind of consumerism and, and desire for the next thing, the next thing, next thing. And, you know, that's fed, that's fed us. And, and kind of, there's a sort of an addiction, addictive quality to that, that, you know we can't i certainly got sort of drawn into and pulled along by and and sort of really kind of in a very similar way to sort of being addicted was this i I just couldn't stop myself and i i've actually i'm doing a a one-year no new gear buying no new clothes and you know i'm not an advocate for just never buying anything new but but i needed to to do a kind of clean break in order to then kind of moderate hopefully but so can you tell us behind the scenes what was happening as as fashion was kind of getting faster and faster so i
0: think just churning out clothing i was working in buying and merchandising so one of the things that i used to do was analyze what was selling and what wasn't selling And then helping, you know, with the buyers making decisions on what they should and shouldn't be buying and what quantities and things like that. But there's the emotional side of things where, you know, something's beautiful or well designed and you want to buy a lot of it and then it's not going to sell. So what do you do with the excess stock at the end of the season when there's all this stuff that hasn't sold? So just seeing that, you know, seeing the the stuff that would go to the outlet store and the volumes of things that would go to the outlet stores. And just, you know, it's just overproduction, really. And then looking at it from a customer's point of view as well, customers coming in and buying things so often as well. So it's this whole mindset about wanting something new for every occasion or, you know, constantly buying the latest trend each season. So one of the things, just to give you an example, is um, we'd get a clothing allowance every season. So we could buy, you know, something from... Not, not buy, but go into store and choose what we'd, we'd want for that season. And some of my colleagues would choose one item from the catwalk range and wear it just for that one season, because that was the piece for the season. And then I'd always go in and buy a few different items that were classic. So I'd have, you know, my, my trench coats or my, my handbags and things, but nothing that was trend-driven. It was always something basic or something that I would know would last for a long time but yeah it's a a mindset isn't it
1: and it used to feel like there were three seasons like when i was younger and like really didn't have any money you know you'd buy something for each in each season like for you know spring summer but now there doesn't seem to be seasons it's just like oh well it's another week so there's another trend it all moves really fast doesn't it you know
0: going to some of the high street stores and Things are just they, the collection in the store changes every week. So, you know, you you've got to if you want to buy something, you got to get it then and there. Or they, they make you think that you've got to buy it now, or it might not be there next week.
1: And can you explain about dead stock? What what that is and and what happens to it?
0: So it's kind of scary. The dead stock. So so there's there's two things: There's stock that's been overproduced. So too much volume of something that's not going to sell excess stock. And then there's returns that come back as well. So when customers return things, the whole process of going through and processing a return for some brands just takes too long and is is too costly. So returns actually don't get put back on the shop floor and they become part of the stock that just gets discarded or, you know, there's brands that are, a burning well used to be burning stock at the end of the season um you know because they didn't want to pass it on the brand reputation or you know they they wanted to be seen as a luxury brand or a one that certain people could afford so passing it on to charity was not an option and the only option was to just get rid of it through burning the stock
1: you got pregnant and had a baby and so was that a sort of moment for you to kind of go okay well this is an opportunity to for me to kind of rethink what I'm doing in the fashion industry do I want to carry on what do I want to do what what sort of played out in your mind because I I I kind of find that these kind of big moments in our lives are often times where we pause to to reassess
0: Yeah, so I went on maternity leave for a year and then went back into corporate fashion after that one year and realised that I wasn't seeing my daughter. So I had no time in the week. I've seen her for half an hour, I think, on the days that I worked. And I just couldn't handle that. I just thought that, you know, that's not what I want. I want to spend time with her. And I had some ideas for Pop My Way while I was on leave. I had the sketches done. And so I was kind of, you know, thinking about it and, and doing my research. And I think that just helped me make my decision. The, f- the fact that I, I wasn't able to see her and, and spend time with her. So it just kind of went from there. And, you know, I'd always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I think I always had that in me. It's it's a scary thing to do though, to take that leap and, and uh, actually do it.
1: It's one thing deciding you're gonna create a a baby brand and you've got you know a massive sort of experience in in the fashion industry and i guess in in being able to sort of understand manufacturing production and and all of that it's quite another to make the decision to be not just sustainable but fully sustainable all the way through the supply chain that's huge i mean most brands are at the moment you know, they might, they might create a sustainable collection, or they might do kind of one bit, which is, you know, sort of a bit bit more conscious. But for you to decide from the outset that this is going to be all the way through, this is going to be well and truly vegan, organic, sustainable, conscious. How did you even begin
0: So it took a really long time, you know, from the time I had the ideas and the sketches to the time I actually launched was was a few years. And the reason for that is because I wanted to take my time and, and do the proper research and make sure that I was doing it properly and I wasn't making claims or I wanted to fully understand what I was getting myself into and and what I needed to do. So, yeah, I mean, I just there were a lot of kind of things that I had to learn for myself as well. So things that I I thought I knew about sustainability, but I didn't actually. There was so much more to it and so much more to to investigate. I think the GOT certification, so from the Global Organic, sorry, Global Organic Textile Standard, is one that kind of encompasses a lot of different things. So the environmental, as well as the social aspects. And because it's a third party certification, it's not like you're marking your own homework. You've actually got people that come in regularly to check and audit and provide a certificate to state that all these different aspects of the business are being fulfilled and being done properly.
1: Can you take us on a journey of a little baby grow? How does it first grow, because as, as, it is cotton, isn't it, that you use?
0: So all our clothes are made out of certified organic Pima cotton. So it's grown in Peru. You've got the farmers that are growing the cotton there and hand harvesting the cotton. The great thing about that is that the farmers can choose what they grow and they can grow food alongside crops. So when you think of industrial farming of cotton, usually it's it's all kind of contains chemicals and pesticides and the farmers are not able to grow anything for their families in conjunction with the cotton. So that they're looked after from that point of view. And it you know, goes through the process, creating the cotton and everything's monitored from the water use. So a lot of clothing is produced using a huge amount of water. And because of the chemicals and pesticides in the cotton flows into the water stream and can really have an impact on communities depending on where things are grown. So all of that is monitored, the energy that's used as well. There's certain measures that are in place to, to check all that. We make sure that we don't use any chemical dyes in the clothing. So that's all prohibited with the GOT standard. And then our factory, is very, the staff that work at the factory are looked after so that we make sure that they work decent hours, that they get, get paid a decent wage. The conditions that they're working in are, are good. So I've been to the factory myself and, and seen everything as well. So it's really good to be able to visualize the people there and, and what they're doing for me. But yeah, I mean, it just, it's, it's all of these aspects that are covered. And it, it kind of gives me peace of mind. And hopefully it gives my customers peace of mind as well because there's so many brands out there that are just making claims and doing beautiful marketing campaigns beautiful packaging and and labeling when in actual fact their claims can't be backed up so anyone can say our staff are looked after at the factory or you know our cotton's organic and you know using organic cotton is great but if your processes are not correct or you're still using chemicals you know what's the point really <laughs>
1: The fabric itself, you've talked about it being incredibly soft and that it doesn't bobble, that it's long-lasting. Tell, tell me how how that is. Why it's different from other Baby Grow cotton, organic cottons?
0: So the type of cotton is called Pima. Um, this is grown in Peru. And the fibres are really long, which means that that's what makes it durable and it's quite smooth. So the bobbles that you normally get on clothing just don't happen. The feedback I've also had from customers are that stains come off more easily. So especially with babies, when you get stained clothing all the time, it's really good to know that the stains wash off more easily. Um, the cotton also keeps its shape. So as you put put clothes in the washing machine regularly, usually they lose their shape. And when you want to pass something on to someone else, you're a bit embarrassed to, to pass it on if it doesn't look quite as new as when you bought it but yeah I'm, I'm pleased to say that so far the feedback we've had has been great we've got a pop my way pre-loved scheme in place as well where customers can return their clothing to us for a discount off the next size and then we can resell the clothing as well so it becomes more accessible to people that can't afford it at a full price pl- full price maybe
1: And that really then addresses the thing that people talk a lot about, which is that organic clothing is so expensive and that it's inaccessible to to so many people. And so what you're doing then is creating a way that there's a longevity to each item that it can get used again and again and and people can then buy either pre-loved or new and then bring it back and then go up to because babies grow really fast don't they so you're getting through so many different clothes
0: the other thing as well that we try to get people to understand is you don't actually need as much clothing as you think you need so if you're spending a hundred pounds on 20 high street baby grows you know you could be spending that same hundred pounds on a few mix and match pieces from Pop My Way that you know are gonna last and be able to be passed on. You know, at the end of the day, you're gonna have loads of clothing that you're gonna have to give away. I mean, when I had my daughter, I had drawers of clothing that still had tags on because she'd grow so fast. So, you know, it's just about changing people's mindsets and allowing them to realize that you wash your clothes regularly with a baby anyway. And if you can mix and match outfits rather than changing their whole outfit if, if one item of clothing get soiled or or you know it's so much easier isn't it being able to just pull something out of the drawer and know that it's going to match with another item of clothing
1: and and also for for those of us that either don't have babies anymore or haven't got babies but know people with babies and want to to give clothes as gifts you know if someone has a a newborn baby you know very often they're kind of showered with with gifts and people just kind of make up what they're going to give them and so is there a way that they can work with you to kind of you know do you have gift vouchers can you what can you do to sort of help people who are with the best will in the world trying to to do the right thing by the, their loved ones we do do gift cards
0: so we do an e-gift card in different denominations so you can do that uh, but feel free to email us at hello at popmyway.co.uk and we'll be more than happy to suggest a few pieces that you could mix and match if you want to give for someone in particular, you know, we're more than happy to advise on uh, colour combinations. And I mean, everything in the range, we do seven colours and everything can be combined in, there's so many different options and combinations. So, you know, it's really up to you.
1: It reminds me of, you know, when people get married, they have a wedding list at a, a certain brand that if you, you 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 could have a baby list at Uh, pop my way and and then you know everything kind of works together
0: yeah that's right you could do that easily and the great thing as well is you know the colors are you know when we created them we went we weren't doing pinks and blues for girls and boys because to us boys can wear pink and girls can wear blue it doesn't it's they're just colors at the end of the day but when you pass things on as well having those colors that that go together could be passed on to either a boy or a girl so and twins are even better if you're having twins or triplets the amount of clothing can be cut in half because everything can be just can be mixed and matched and and used for both babies or or, all three babies
1: and what age do you go up to at the moment
0: at the moment we're up to 18 months so we're nought to 18 months we're looking to extend that size range soon so let's see what happens
1: and so with with you know you've obviously got a very concrete set of ethics behind your brand and I wonder how you know you kind of look at the world and see how things are changing or not changing fast enough. and What's your vision for the future of, of fashion? I think we have
0: to do something. We have to kind of make some changes and I think for us changing the mindset um, from the beginning of a baby's life. So when babies are born, their parents or, or relatives or whoever their guardians are, will teach them the basics in life. So, you know, how to use a spoon, how to talk, you know, how to do just the basic things that you need to do from the start of your life. So I think starting life with these lessons of not needing as much as we think we need you know with clothing changing that mindset from the beginning um, is something that we can definitely do to change things for the future Um, and I just think educating consumers more so that they understand the difference between something that's actually a a brand that's actually doing the right thing or a brand that's making claims and yeah I think if we can all kind of just I know it's it's a it's a step-by-step process and It takes a while to to change as well but I think even just some small changes would make a difference.
1: As an entrepreneur, as somebody that is trying to do things the right way, how do you define courage?
0: So I think courage for me, so first of all taking the the leap and and starting my own business, uh, not knowing what was going to happen, not having a steady income with a, a little baby, but also just believing in yourself. So believing that your idea is a good one and believing that your values are the right, the right thing that you want to, you know, something that you want to start from the beginning and, and just continue all the way through. So having the courage to say, I'm sticking to this, this is what I'm, I'm deciding. And that's what I'm sticking to and not being swayed by other people's opinions or, you know, I, I guess just being courageous and believing in yourself, Because lots of people have different opinions on what you should and shouldn't be doing. And they're just doing it anyway, doing whatever you need to do anyway, despite what people think.
1: Thank you so much, Sache, for sharing with us what a fully transparent, vegan, organic, sustainable supply chain looks like so that we can be more discerning and knowledgeable in the purchases we make. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lou. Take care. See you soon. You too. Bye. Bye. Thanks Sashay for showing us that we can make fully sustainable choices when companies like yours are committed to transparency and honesty. As you say with Pop My Way, one planet, one purpose, one pop. You can find out more about Sashay's work on www.popmyway.co.uk and follow her on Instagram at pop my Thank you Brave New Girl Media for producing and sourcing the guests for the show and to you for listening. I hope today's story inspires you to step into the spotlight and show how you too are positively impacting the world. Take care, choose courage and see you next time.